uh, as you sat down, seen one of these little envelopes. Inside the little envelope is a little uh, a pledge giving card. Um, so we don't, uh, as, as Rod said, we don't kind of pass the buck around each week. We, we believe in tithing. We are a giving, generous church. Um, but really, we, what we rely on, and that's part of your discipleship journey with Jesus. And uh, if you have questions about tithing, please ask someone and say, hey, I don't know about this tithing thing. What's it all about? Someone can explain it to you. Um, but we don't feel like we need to hassle you every week about that. Um, uh, and in the same way, uh, with our home fundraiser, um, this is only the second time we've ever done it. Um, but uh, the idea behind this is where we have been, where God, uh, through very generous hands, has uh, miraculously provided this property uh, for us to use for His purposes, for us to steward. Um, and so that's crazy, amazing miracle. Uh, funds have also been provided for uh, the renovations of all the structures and the painting and the building and all of those things. Again, crazy, miraculous provision from God. Okay. Um, and, but this home fundraiser is about us then taking these buildings and these structures and making them feel like home. And when we say home, it's not doesn't mean like, oh, so my house isn't home or, or this is the place that everything happens. It's not about that at all, but, but it is something where we want it to, to feel beautiful, to reflect God even in that um, and to, to create a space that feels welcoming and inviting for people. And it's not just, I mean, we've, we did a home fundraiser and we raised a lot of funds for this area. So it's not even about this room so much, a few equipment things. Um, but it's for uh, some of the other spaces that we have set up and they are there. So we're wanting to now renovate and set up the chapel, which is up the top of the hill. So that's the building that we first met in uh, when we came on site here. Uh, also just getting some uh, media stuff set up uh, in the back room there and some uh, extra things in here. Uh, some of Paradox Kids, so a bit more equipment in there and especially for our toddler program that we'd love to get running again. Uh, the cafe space, so you notice Kev's been working hard uh, building the bench and we're gonna have a concrete bench top and all fancy things like that. Uh, but just, you know, furniture and again, a space that not just for on Sundays, but during the week that people can come and gather and meet and have coffee and all those sorts of things. The ablution block, who's excited about that? Um, but they are beautifully uh, fitted out and renovated. Um, if we really do need to probably do some before and after photos for people, because there'd be some of you who's like, oh, this is great, it looks lovely. But if you saw it beforehand, you'd be, you would be well and truly amazed uh, at the change. But, uh, but just, just things to beautify that space. Uh, and also signage. Who would have thought? Um, we do regularly have people come on site and they just can't find you. So you get a phone call. Hey, I'm here. We're about to you. And you're like, what building? I'm near this building. And you have to come and find people. So we want to get uh, like signage out on the front entrances and around the property so you can kind of direct people to where they need to go. So that is where the money is going towards. And uh, yeah, we're hoping to raise. We've kind of set a budget, I think, for 35 thousand dollars there it is amazing yeah um, so last time we raised about fifty thousand dollars 
So, uh, and again, this is something where in a lot of uh, kind of church families, this whole property would be the thing that we would have to be raising funds for and all the renovations we'd have to be raising funds for and, and doing that sort of thing. Um, but again, that's, God has generously provided all of those things and God will generously provide f- through us uh, for then the fit out of those other areas. And I think that's a good, it's a right thing that we have, that it costs us something to, uh, to steward what the Lord is doing here. And so we're super excited about that. Um, I'm going to leave the actual prayer and giving and pledging and all that sort of stuff till after I share uh, a little bit um, of kind of our vision and values moving forward. But um, yeah, we're excited. It's good. It's amazing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Have a drink of water. Yeah. So we are, we are 11 and a bit years into this church journey. Which is, uh, which is incredible. That's a long time, isn't it? it? It feels like a short time, and then I think about it, and it feels like a really long time. You know, one of those things, you go, wow, 11 years has flown by. And you think of all the bits, and uh, all the, the good bits, and the really hard bits of all that time. And you're like, oh, that's actually a really long time. So, uh, but it's cool. Um, it's been an amazing journey. God has brought us to this place. As I shared, I think it was probably the last time that I spoke, uh, shared that we have always positioned us, and I think we'll always continue to position ourselves to be uh, like pilgrims on a journey, just going wherever the Lord would direct us. And uh, in some ways, it feels like it sets, it has set us apart, maybe from from different kind of communities, and not better or worse, but just in the planting kind of phase, it was always it's just whatever you want to do, God, we'll do that. And we will lay aside all of our preconceived ideas as, as to what a church should be and just be set apart. What do you want to do, Lord? And so in that process, it, there's a lot of waiting in that process. It's a much slower journey. So you, then you've got to learn patience. And apparently patience, according to the Bible, is a really good thing. So we're like, okay, that's good as well. Uh, but it's been a patient journey. Uh, and as we move along and, and we'll just have seasons where God will highlight a particular thing and we'll press and lean into that. And he's just been building foundation upon foundation upon foundation and doing great things uh, all through that time. But in the last probably few months, uh, even with, with last year and kind of the whole COVID and all of that sort of stuff, I know it's still going on, but we are in Western Australia and, and uh, very much isolated from it now. Um, but, uh, but really that sense of the shaking up and, uh, and a resetting of things for the church, I think not just locally, but globally. And, and uh, I think in any time where there's a stopping, it gives us time to reevaluate. It's even like in a sports game, you know, you'll, you'll get to quarter time or half time or three quarter time, whatever it is. It's obviously in AFL, but uh, half time if you're in playing soccer, uh, which my son was this morning. And his team won for the first time. Woo, go marker. He was so excited. So I had a happy child. He's, you know, not a miserable child um, for, for a day or two. But, uh, but in that, oftentimes, and then you come together as a team and you regroup and you, you look at because you can go into it with a plan. You go into that first half with a plan. You've got to plan your mind. This is how it's going to go. This is how we're going to play. And then you, all of a sudden, you, you see how things have played out, what the opposition has done, what hasn't worked for your team. And then you regroup at half time and you kind of think, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to change up? What has been happening? What are we consolidating here? And, and that's where we've really felt uh, led just to uh, have some time of consolidation. 
So we don't feel like where we have been has been wrong um, or we've you know, gone off track or anything like that. But there's been things that even for, for a lot of us, if, if you were here in the last five years, if you've joined our community in the last five years, there would have been things that we have focused on in the early days that you would have completely missed. And you might think that, oh, so we're all about this thing here or we're, you know, we're all about this particular topic. And it's like, oh, no, we're about lots of things. And really, we, wanted to, we just want to be about what Jesus is on about at any time. Um, and if you've joined in the last year, again, you'd have totally different kind of perspective of things because the reality is you can't preach the whole Bible, the whole message of God, the whole vision of God every single Sunday. We could try, but we'd be here for a long time. Um, so it's always snippets and it's always seasons. And then particularly when you're a pilgrim people and God's moving you from not just one place in the natural, but even in what He is teaching you, um, then we just, we, it's like we camp in a place sometimes. And we'll camp in, in, this, in the place of the prophetic maybe. And we might camp there for six months. And then we'll camp in the place of, you know, we, the heart journey. Or we'll camp in the place of, uh, you know, wherever it might be that we're, and we're, we're okay just to camp there and take our time. But what we've, I think what I've appreciated in the slowing of that journey, in the time and the patience is that it also allows God to build the right things in you that are going to sustain you for that next move going forward. And uh, we really feel like that's kind of where we've come to. So we're looking at all that God has done uh, and then looking forward to all that He's going to do. But we felt like it's important even for, for those who have joined more recently and for those who will join uh, in the future, just to know, okay, this is kind of what we're all about uh, and this is the main kind of focus of who we are and where we're heading. So today I'm going to share a little bit about that. And then next week and probably over a couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing um, some of the, essentially the strategies to fulfill the vision that God has given to us. And, uh, and there's some really exciting things happening. And we're going to be sharing some really exciting things over the next couple of weeks but in the next kind of month and even a bit further on, there's some even more exciting things that I can tell you nothing about right now, but they're really exciting things. Um, so just, you've just gotta, you're just going to have to hang out. So uh, yeah, if you're thinking of leaving after this week, just stick it out for another, you know, and uh, no, no, really, you're free to go anytime. Do I have a strange, I have a strange sense of humor sometimes, do I? Just sometimes. I'm, I'm never sarcastic though, am I, Grant? Never. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. So we've, uh, we've felt, again, just to consolidate into a little bit of a, of a mission statement. Now, anytime you do this, you, you'll miss something. Uh, you'll miss a word, and again, when, so we're not trying to um, gather everything together into one statement. Oh, but shouldn't we, what about this and what about that? We just tried to kind of come up with a sentence that was collective enough for who we are and where we are at the moment in what God has called us to do. So even in some of the words, you might go, oh, is that all we're about? It's like, no, no, we're about more, but in this season, this is who we are. So I'm trying to kind of preface it in a way, but so don't be kind of going, oh, well, you should have this and why don't you add this word? I mean, tell me, no, but tell me if you do think, oh, but what about this bit? And you're like, oh, that's a good word to add in. But for me, I could have written one sentence, like long, long sentence, collecting all the things, but we've just, we just sat with this. So it is, this is what we exist to be. 
Yeah. So we exist to be a family of Jesus worshippers who live on mission with God locally and regionally. Amen? So that's what we feel like. This is what we're existing to do and to be. Okay? There's a second bit that I'll get onto. Oh, no, I'll read that now as well. And then I'm going to break it apart. And we believe that this mission will be accomplished through loving God, through loving others, making disciples, and bringing the kingdom. So this is who we feel like God has called us to be, not in a constrictive way, but in all of the open, expansive ways that those words are. And then this mission will be accomplished through loving God, loving others, making disciples, and bringing the kingdom. So if we go back to that first screen, and it says we exist to be a family, so that word family is an expression of God's kingdom. As I've said many times, when you read through uh, the New Testament, there's so much language that represents family. So we are the children of God. Jesus calls us His, His brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. There are spiritual fathers. We have God the Father and Jesus the Son. It's all of this language that God has chosen to represent Himself in a family way. And so we don't say, oh, we want to be a family because that's like a, just a good thing or we like family or family is good, family is good. But we say, well, well, that's an expression of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is expressed as family. That's how people relate and connect to one another is in a family dynamic. So the expression of God in the local church should express and represent family. Now, when we use the word family, I can guarantee that to every single person in this room, that means something different. Okay? So what we're not saying is, we exist to be like your family. And some of you will be like, praise the Lord. And some of you will be like, oh, that's, that, you know. Um, so we're not saying, oh, this is, we have this idea of what an Australian family looks like and we're trying to be like that. Or, or you have an idea, oh, this is what my family is like. The church is going to be like my family. Holy moly, I'm out of here. Um, or maybe you go, oh, yeah, no, it is like a bit like that. Everyone's crazy and got a loud uncle and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But um, so what we're not saying is we're going to be like your family. We're going to be like God's family. Okay? and representing the kingdom of God and being kingdom family. And now again, you don't want to be like, we'll just add the word kingdom to everything, although we probably could, but that's what we're saying. We're saying, no, Jesus is the head of the church. He is the one who has built a family. The Father is building a family, and we want to represent the Father's family in how we relate to one another. Okay, uh, Romans chapter 8. Verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Well, we could stop it there, but it doesn't go on. It says, provided we suffer with Him in order that we might also be glorified with Him. So this is God's plan. When somebody comes into the kingdom of God, they don't 
sign on the dotted line, sign a contract, they become adopted into the family of God. And so that's something of how we express ourselves is loving and serving one another like a family would do that. And that's gonna look different to every person, every different relationship, and we're gonna naturally have our own kind of lenses as to what family looks like. But again, our goal is to represent how God relates as family, not how we might do that. And again, it's not just a family, it's a family of Jesus worshippers. Family is not the goal. Family is a vehicle, it's an expression, and I think it's a really, um, particularly in this day and age with the breakdown of family in the natural for people, that it is a really good uh, expression of the gospel and, and, and inviting for people, but family isn't the goal. Worshiping Jesus is the goal. That's the point. And that is the thing that binds us together. We can do family really well. We can relate really well to each other. We have lots of great relationships and, and deal with all of our issues and all that sort of stuff. But if the worship of Jesus isn't the end game, then we've missed something. And we've actually made family an idol. And that's a really dangerous thing for us to do. Because as much as I really like you all, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. I, mean, I don't know where I'd be with, without Jesus, but um, it wouldn't be good. Uh, but you know, but He is the thing that binds us together. So we say, well, I'll, 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 be in, I'll choose to be in family with you because Jesus has connected me in family with you. And that's a good thing, but the end game is that Jesus would be worshipped and we'd be a worshipping family and a family of worshippers. Jesus is King. We love Him and we worship Him. That is the point of our existence. We are marked by Him. We are called by His name. He is the head of His church. He is the bridegroom to His bride. He is our reason for living. And again, we don't create family. We belong to His family. So He is the one that starts families. We believe He is the one that even started this local expression of family. But we are not family disconnected from the family down the road, that the other expression of God's family. And as much as they might be different again, we're not exclusive, we're not, we're not God's family. Oh, and what about everyone else? It's no, no, we're all part of a God's global family of people who call Jesus Lord. So we are also connected to this much larger family and, uh, and, and we love that. But also God has called us to be locally connected. And that's just how... God works. That's how He sets it up. We belong to family. As I said before, if Jesus isn't the centre of why we create family culture, then we have missed the point. But again, at the same time, if it's just, if we were just this, um, I, I belong to Jesus and, and I guess I've got to spend time with you doing stuff, you know, like we're, we're not colleagues and, and work colleagues. God draws us in a much deeper connection to one another. Okay? And I think that's actually important because what God has called us to do when He has called us to govern the nation and nations spiritually, okay, there's a, there's a big calling upon the church to do that. If we are not united, if we are not uh, carrying that together, if we're not partnering together to do that, then we get division and strife and factions and separation and we don't actually represent the King or His kingdom well when we don't understand that's actually how we're supposed to relate to one another. Because there is a lot of stuff, there's just ugly stuff then that goes on in the church. 
And I don't think it would happen if we treated one another like family. Whether that's from one denomination to another or from one particular, you know, kind of theological stream to another, there's all this division and fighting. And it's like, that's not family. It's okay to have a, an opinion and a perspective. But you treat, I just know, you know what it is when there's family? Like I remember growing up, I've got two older brothers. And, uh, and I, so I was the youngest. And uh, so I was a pain in the backside. I knew it. They knew it. My parents knew it. And, uh, but I would, I would deliberately antagonize them until they finally, and they were quite patient until they finally lashed out and then I'd cry and then they'd get in trouble. And you know, you know, the, you know how it goes, youngest in the family. Um, but there was something like, I'd have a fight with my brothers and would, I hate you. I'm never talking to you again. You know, that kind of thing, slamming doors, whatever. And then I would often find myself the next morning, like playing Lego together with my brothers. And I'd remember, oh, I'm supposed to be angry with you. That's, I'm not supposed to be talking to you ever again. And I completely forgot about that. But there's just something of that covenant of family that, that just kind of goes beyond, um, you know, if, if probably if it was a friend, you'd actually, you know, cut them off and stop contacting them. But there's something of this covenantal family that God draws us into where we love and we serve, but we're actually willing to cost ourselves for the other person. And I do think about, and we talk about this idea of, you know, as we are God's people uh, living on mission for Him, like a sports team, again, there's a camaraderie that's built because there's a, a vision and a goal that they're all moving towards. And I think it's important that if we don't know what the goal is, then we don't know what we're working towards, then we can go all over the place. But there's also something we say, there's, there's, a, there's goals that we're going after, but then as a, as a team, as a family, we link in together and we cost ourselves and we've got each other's back. I think when, when God's mission is our priority, like when His priorities are our priorities, I reckon we'll probably start being less annoyed, frustrated, offended at things which ultimately don't really matter. Like how many times they sung the chorus of that song. You know, or the temperature of the room just wasn't quite right. Or this person didn't talk to me enough this week. Or whatever it might be. Or that I didn't like how that sermon made me feel. And whatever it is. All of those little things which end up creeping into the life of the church and community. And they're just gross. <laughs> there you go. Brad's gone to change the aircon. Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, there's just that funk, but I think it's because we've taken our eyes off Jesus Himself, but also what Jesus called us to do. And we start to look around and see and notice things and go like, oh man, yeah, no, I don't like that. And our personal preferences start coming in and all that sort of thing. So again, when Jesus is the center and when His mission is, is our highest priority, then all of a sudden our, everything starts to come into focus. All right. We're a family of Jesus worshippers living on mission with God. And again, not for God, but with God. Because Jesus said He'd never leave us or forsake us. He said, it's better that I go, that the Holy Spirit would come. And He says, and, and the Holy Spirit has made His home in you. So as I prayed before, you are a mobile temple of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, God goes. And you might say, well, He is everywhere because He is omnipresent, but He is in you. He is present in you, which is a, an incredibly miraculous reality. Um, but that's where we go. We go with God and we're on this mission with God. 
We live as sent ones. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So in the same way that the Father sent Jesus from heaven to earth to fulfill the mission that He had for Him, Jesus says to His disciples, and that's you and I, because we are His disciples, in the same way that the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And we've been sent out into the world. We have been apostled. That's the word when we get the word sent or mission. It's the word apostolos. Okay, so we are, we are an apostolic people, but we've been called to be sent out by God into the world to bring the kingdom of God. Heaven is our home now. If you've received salvation, then heaven is your home. Earth is not your home anymore, but heaven is your home. And you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, the Bible says. But you've been sent here to continue to carry on that mission of God. Amen? So we are an apostolic people. Heaven is our home. Earth is our mission field. In the same way that we are co-heirs with Christ. So everything that Christ has purchased, all of His inheritance has now become our inheritance. And that's great. And that's amazing. We'll live forever with Him in that beautiful inheritance. We are also co-missionaries with Christ. Because what Jesus finished a work in His crucifixion, but He finished His work didn't mean that He finished your work. And we have work to do. We have, a, we, have a, we have a job to do. We have work to do on the earth and that's to fulfill the desires of God to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. God wants earth to look like heaven. And now again, the gospel that you may have you know, given your life to Jesus that you heard, the gospel that's been preached the last couple of hundred years has focused a lot on getting people to heaven. And yet the gospel that Jesus preached was all about getting heaven to people, getting heaven to earth. When the, when the New Testament references, he says the gospel of the kingdom. That's what it was, the good news of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Christ. Jesus is king and he is establishing his kingship on the earth. And you and I are part of the establishment of God's kingdom on the earth. We are co-missionaries with Christ. And so when we talk about mission, again, it's possible that you get a picture in your head, in your mind, oh, you mean like this. And I'm just saying it might not be the picture in your mind. Because again, when we hear that word mission, oh, we think, oh, call missionaries. Oh, you mean people that go overseas. It's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Missionaries go overseas, but they go across the street. Missionaries go to the nations and they also go to the neighbours. Okay. Put your hand up if you're a missionary. What are the rest of you? That's it. We're, we're all missionaries. We're all sent ones. If you're a disciple, you're a sent one. I just read it before in John 20, 21. So as you, you've been a sent one. You've been sent out. You've been apostled. You've been missionaried by Jesus. And you've been sent out with that mission. But you might say, well, I, I don't know about going to the deepest, darkest, you know, jungles of so-and-so. It's like, no, no, no. You, you've got people that don't know Jesus probably living at either side of you. You might have a workplace full of people that don't know Jesus. I'm sure every time you go and do the grocery shopping, there's a shopping centre full of people that don't know Jesus. 
And it's not just individuals, but it's also cultures and corporations and every sphere of influence that you have. You might be a teacher in a school that's filled with children who don't know Jesus. You might be a, not, uh, you might be a Christian teacher in a, in a government school, which is then a culture that doesn't know Jesus as Lord. Every opportunity, you are already there carrying the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God into those places. And I think unfortunately, maybe how we've been trained to think about mission or to think about evangelism is all about what comes out of our mouth in terms of, so I gotta tell people you're a sinner, but Jesus died on the cross for you. So if you, if you give your life to Jesus, you won't go to hell and you'll be able to go to heaven one day. And you're, how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna phrase it right? It's like, okay, the gospel is far bigger than that. <laughs> the gospel is, the good news is that Jesus is King and He is establishing His kingdom on earth and He's inviting you to be part of His kingdom, part of His family, and then to continue on that transformation of society to look more like heaven. That's your job, that's my job. It's all of our job. It's not the evangelist's job, it's not the cross-cultural missionary's job, it's every single person's job. But it will look different to each and every one of you. The sphere of influence that God gives you will be different to the person sitting next to you. The calling that is upon your life will be different to the calling upon another person's life. How you go about bringing the kingdom of God into your sphere of influence is gonna look different to the person sitting next to you. And that's okay. There is no cookie cutter framework. But what we have is we have this thing, it's called the Holy Spirit. It's not even a thing, it's a person. And His name is Holy Spirit. And He dwells inside of you and He will lead you, if you listen for His voice, He will lead you as to how to bring about His kingdom on the earth. So that's even how simple it is. You don't need to read a particular book. The Bible's a good start, but what you need is the Spirit of God. And you need to learn to hear His voice. And if you don't know His voice, you need to ask someone who you think, I think that person hears His voice. Can you help me to hear His voice? Because that is how the earth is going to be transformed. That's how Jesus set it up. He says, I'm not gonna do it all, but I'm gonna show you how it's done. Jesus spent three years with 12 men showing them how to transform the world. But even to those guys, he said, it's, it's actually not good enough, just, it's, it's, it's actually better that I go, because when I go, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. He tells the disciples after this miraculous, amazing, world-changing event of the cross and the resurrection, He says to His disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit's come upon you in power. And when it does, all of a sudden, the world starts to shift. 12 men, one of them didn't make it. So in the end, 11 men started and continued on a revolution that is still going today. And it's all just through this process of loving God and loving people and making disciples and bringing the kingdom of God into every sphere of influence. So when we talk about mission, it's about living ordinary lives with kingdom intentionality. So it's not thinking, okay, so I've got to think of, now I've got to be part of another program. I've got to now go out on the streets every Friday night and do this, and I've got to change everything up. It's like, no, more than likely, you've got to keep doing exactly what you're doing, but do it with the perspective of God. What would Jesus be? If Jesus had my job, how would it look different? 
if Jesus was leading my family, well, how would he do that? And now again, that's all of the principles of God, but you've also got Jesus dwelling in you. The uh, Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter two, you have the mind of Christ, which is the Spirit of God. You know all the thoughts of God. So we don't even say, what would Jesus do? We ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And He'll tell you and He'll lead you. But it's actually just saying, oh yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm already in a neighbourhood with neighbours that don't know Jesus. And Jesus says, love your neighbour as yourself. I've got neighbours. I love me. I can love them. What would I like someone to do for me? I'm going to do the same for them. And then I'm going to ask, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you give me creative ideas? Would you open up doors? Would you give me opportunities to, to connect and, and build friendship? Invite them over for a meal. Just basic, normal human things. You don't need to be a weirdo to be an evangelist. It's actually be really preferential if you weren't. Like, let's have some non-weird non evangelists. I'm sure there are lots. But you know what I mean? Like, people that don't be like, just be, just be you, because you're great. And all the bits of you that aren't great, Jesus is working on those too. So don't worry about it. But it's, it's really just simple stuff. It's so basic. Anyone can do it. Literally anyone can do it. Anyone can be a good friend. Anyone can be a good neighbour. Anyone can love their work colleagues and be looking for opportunities. And again, you might get an opportunity to pray for them and you see a miracle happen in that moment. That's awesome. But you also might get an opportunity just to invite a single mother into your family and just to love on them and to help support them and to bless them. You, you might love one person by casting a demon out of them and you might love another person just by mowing their lawn. But it's every part of it, but it's having the eyes of Jesus that in every moment, in every situation I would go in to, I'd be seeing, what are you doing here, Jesus? And that's what Jesus did. The Bible says Jesus only did what He saw the Father doing, which means He was looking for what is the Father doing. I'm gonna partner Him with that. And you need to know that God is on the move and He is moving in every sphere that you are moving in. God is moving and He has plans and He has purposes and He wants to share them with you. But sometimes the simple question of just, what are you doing, Holy Spirit? What are you doing in my workplace, Holy Spirit? What are you doing here? Show me what you're doing so I can partner in with what you're doing. It's doing the same things that we already do but with a higher purpose. The Bible says, you know, when you work, do all things to the glory of God. You're eating, you're drinking, everything that you do, do all things to the glory of God. It's, it's like saying, doing all things with a higher purpose. If I'm sharing, if I'm eating a meal at work, could I eat my meal with a higher purpose? When I'm doing my grocery shopping, could I do my grocery shopping with a higher purpose than simply just getting groceries? When I'm walking the neighbourhood to get my exercise, could I walk the neighbourhood to get my exercise with a higher purpose of being in prayer and looking out for people, that same person, because I walk at the same time every day that I, hey, how you doing? And, and it might be, oh, love your shoes, or something to build connection. And then it's like, hey, we should, we go walk at the same time every day. We should walk together. Just 
opportunity to build connection rather than just you know, giving a nod as you go past to say, maybe, Lord, what are you doing in this situation, Holy Spirit? But do you see what I mean? We're not trying to add programs to your life. I'm sure you're all busy enough. But you don't need to add anything extra because you've got every answer dwelling in you, the Holy Spirit. You just sometimes, we just need to ask Him, what are you doing in this moment, Holy Spirit? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to give? Do you want me to serve? What do you want from me, Holy Spirit? And I'll do that. Simple obedience to the presence of God. And we do this locally and regionally. So we, we believe that we are a local church with a regional mandate. So this was, again, a, a word that I felt God talked to me. There's been two times where, I've, where I'm like, I know that was God talking to me. Lots of times where I've, I've had impressions of things, pictures of things, dreams about things, and you, and you check it with others, and, or other people have the same stuff and all the lines. I mean, that's been happening super recently, like literally on Friday. Um, I can't give you any more information except for what was happening for me, but there was, there was a, there was a, there's a doubling of things happening is all I can say. And I have eggs every morning. And uh, so I cook four eggs for myself and two eggs for the dog, scrambled eggs. And um, yep, she's loving it. That's why Kylie and Brad get so many of my empty egg cartons um, for their chickens. But, uh, and, I was, and so I open up a fresh carton of eggs and crack the first egg and it's a double yolk egg. Wow, that's cool. I remember those from when I was a kid and, you know, my uh, nan's house and whatever. And then I'm like, cool, that's cool. Um, and crack the next one, double, double yolk. I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Okay. So it was on Friday that a, that a conversation, a meeting was happening about some doubling increase kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, that's so cool. Third egg, cracked it, double yolk. Okay. Fourth egg, cracked it, double yolk. Okay. I stopped there because I'm like, I've got eight yolks. <laughs> I have six eggs. I know it's not the same quantity, but it's enough yolk for me. And so, so I left it there, okay? So now I've gone back and, uh, and same carton of eggs, no more double yolks, four double yolks in a row. And I didn't even at the time, because, you know, sometimes you don't always switch. I'm like, wow, you're, you're doubling stuff, Lord, and uh, you'll just give me those clear signs. Anyway, cute little story. Um, but the two times where I felt like God like clearly like boom is, is when he said, I've given you an apostolic anointing and this time where he says you need to take on a regional mandate. This was after a conference with a guy called Ryan Lestrange. Things broke open. This is when the church, we were like 20, 30 people in Quinana all of a sudden. The next week, visitors started coming and we'd, within a month, we'd like doubled in size and all people from Mandra. And uh, so, hooray, we love Mandra. Um, but that is that sense of the kind of Quinana, Rockingham, Mandra region of where God has, and again, it's not like, oh, you're outside of that region, you can't come along. It's not about people belonging to the church, but it's where God has called us. I want you to steward even spiritually this region, okay? So then God led us into a whole lot of um, kind of prophetic intercession, warfare, um, repentance, whole lot of stuff over, over a long time. And we're still uh, doing that. So even that's part, the, the prayer room, the primary point of the prayer room is just to love on Jesus. But sometimes in that, sometimes even on a Sunday, God will say, I want you guys to intercede and to carry this thing and to birth this thing or to break through in this thing for the region. 
okay? More than just for this local church. So we know we have a sense spiritually, we have a responsibility to steward the spiritual atmosphere over a region, okay? But we also have people from the region and beyond, but a lot of people from this kind of Quinana, Rockingham, Mandra region. So we, we wanna love where we live. And I want you to love where you live. And you might say, well, I don't live in Baldivis. I don't either. I live in Callista, which is in Quinana. But I wanna love where I live, okay? So there's these two aspects of it. But I also wanna love where God has positioned our community in this place. From the beginning of our church, it was never about buildings. It was never about land. It was never about places. It was always about wherever you want us to go, that's where we'll go. We started in Quinana. We did so much just to love on that community. And then all of a sudden, God's like, I'm moving you which is good 10 minutes closer to Mandra, so that was helpful for, for a lot of you. Um, but we wanna love where we are, where we're living, and we're called to be based in this city, in the city of Rockingham and in the suburb of Baldivis. But we're also called to bless and impact this region that we're in. And so as I said before, there's about spiritual governance, but also local impact. We don't just want to deal with things and dismantle things in the heavenlies and build things in the heavenlies. We also wanna see a building of things in the tangible. And, uh, and we're in conversation and, and kind of drawing in even some external support to help us to do that, to strategize you know, apostolically and prophetically. How can we now start to see more on the ground impact? Because God wants cities transformed and changed. Okay? Not just things kind of broken open the heavenlies. That's really important. That's like the air war. We also need the troops on the ground doing the ground war. And we want to be a people who are equipped and equipping others and empowered and empowering others to fulfill God's mission in whatever sphere of influence He has for us. Okay? But we feel like at the moment, we are both a local church with a local calling to this area, and we wanna see people saved and meet Jesus and, and connected into this local church family, but also the kind of broader regional impact that we know God has called us to have. Is that cool? All right. So we, the next bit is, we believe that this mission will be accomplished through loving God, loving others, making disciples and bringing the kingdom. You may have heard me use these words before. Often when I, I would use it saying, love God, love others, make disciples, bring the kingdom. In our discussions, we felt like the movement aspect, the, it's a verb, action word, yes? Yes, good, there we go. Of, of actually, no, we're, we're partnering, we're engaged with God to be loving Him. Not just, oh, there's a command to love Him, it's that we're gonna be a people who are loving God and who are loving others, making disciples and bringing the kingdom. Now, these are all, um, I think, just significant commands and, uh, and expressions of God in the New Testament uh, that I think kind of sums up you know, the kind of broader message that God has for His people. So the first is loving God, and this comes from the great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. And it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, so there's two different kind of religious groups, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. So obviously they had 
a whole lot of laws in the Jewish system that have been created and they're like, we'll catch him out because if he picks one of these laws, oh, there's going to be something else that we can say, oh, but what about this one? Okay, so they're trying to test him. They're trying to catch Jesus out. So they ask him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, or to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Okay, so to be a family of Jesus worshippers living on mission with God locally and regionally, we cannot do that if loving God is not our highest priority. It is our first calling. It is the greatest commandment. So we are literally commanded to do that. Now, love and command are hard things to kind of work together because love requires freedom. But so every command of God is an invitation. But because we love Him, we want to obey His commands. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. We're like, okay, Lord, what's the first command? To love me. So that's our highest priority as a family. That's our highest priority as a church. And it will always continue to be our highest priority because it's God's highest priority for us. It's the starting point and the finish line of your journey with God. It's where you begin and it's where you'll end and it's where you'll continue to be and go for the rest of eternity is just loving on Him because that's what heaven looks like. Loving God aligns our hearts to His, it aligns our purposes to His, and it positions God in His rightful place in our hearts, which is first. That's why we do what we do. And we'll only stay on track to do what God has for us if loving Him is our highest priority. If we don't lose our first love, which is Him. Okay, so it's, it's going to be fulfilled. We're going to accomplish significant things if we keep loving God as our highest priority. Amen? Out of that place of loving God, we then go into the second greatest commandment. It says, And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So loving others is the overflow. The natural effect of loving God is to love Others, those who are consumed by His love naturally overflow love to others. But again, if we're trying to love people out of our own strength, out of our own energy, out of our own love, we'll love them to the degree that we can love and to the capacity that we can love. But when we are in love with God, when we are consumed in His love, all of a sudden our capacity to love others shoots through the roof. Because I want to let you know there's this, some words that Jesus uses when He tells us who we should love. He says, love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Anyone ever tried to love their enemies before? And ever tried blessing those who persecute you? Yeah? It's, it's hard yakka. It's hard work. When you're consumed in love with Jesus, all of a sudden what would seem maybe like an impossible work becomes a simple and easy work. Because I am so in love and I'm so filled with love that all of a sudden it's a natural overflow for me to love even those who don't love me, to love the unlovable, to love those who will give me nothing back in return. 
or even to love those who will give me vitriol and violence back in return. If our loving God doesn't lead us to loving others, I think we need to question who it is that we're loving. If we love God and there's not a natural overflow that we would then be loving others, my question would be, who's the God that we're loving? Because God describes Himself as love. So if you're gonna come away from time with God with anything, you would assume it would be love because you've literally just spent time with love. Not the epitome of love, not the most love, like literally love. God is love. What's God like? Love. What does He want me to be like? Love. What does it look like to be like Jesus? I want to follow Jesus. What does it look like? Love. What does love look like? That's a good question. Again, it probably doesn't look like your natural expression of love or how you have had and given and received love in natural relationships. So we need to look at God and we need to look at God in the expression of Christ because Jesus was the perfect imprint of His nature. So we have an expression of love found in Jesus. Okay, so we can look to that and we can know what that looks like. It's found in Him. Okay. We start by loving God and from that place we learn, learn to love what He loves. Because again, we can say, well, I just, I'm just gonna spend all my time loving God. That's great. But when we mature in love, we begin to love what the one we love, loves. Okay? So I think in a, like in a parent-child relationship, oftentimes a child will love the parent because of what they receive from the parent. You know, you get it, I get it on Father's Day. I love God because he, I love my dad because he, he plays with me or he kicks the footy with me or he does this, you know, like it's, there's this relationship like I love my father because of what he does for me or what he does with me, which really is saying I love what I receive from this relationship. And the Bible is chock full of things that God has done for you. And they're amazing and they're good. And we can rejoice and say, I love you, God, because you've saved me. I love you, God, because you've healed me. I love you, God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're all good things. But I think that's the starting point of love. Because as we mature in love, and even if you maybe go into more of a covenantal love of like a, a husband and a wife, is then when we start to love what the other person loves. And we start to value what they value. And I think maturing love is not just when we love God, but when we begin to love what He loves. When we don't just prioritise loving Him, but we also start to prioritise what He loves and what He would prioritise for us. So there's this process of natural maturing love where we love on Him and we're so consumed with Him, but then because we're also seated with Him, we start to see, God, You love that. You love the lost. You love the broken. You love your kingdom expanding on the earth. You love generosity. You love healing. Oh God, and because I love you and I love what you love, I start to love those things too. And that's part of that transformation that takes place in us when we start to become more like Jesus. Because we love Him, we behold Him, we become like the one we behold, but then we start to live as though He was in us. It's a funny notion, it's almost like God was in us by the Holy Spirit. 
All right, I've, I've realised it's five o'clock. You're welcome to leave anytime, but I'm going to continue. So then, uh, making disciples, this is found in the Great Commission. So we have the Great Commandment, two parts to that. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Disciples are followers of Jesus who have been immersed into the reality of God and live to obey all that He leads them to do. That's you, that's me. We are disciples. We are followers of Jesus who have been immersed into the reality of God. That's the baptism idea. And we live to obey all that He leads us to do. Not to learn, not to study the Scripture so we can be so filled with knowledge, but to look at the Bible and say, what do you have for me, Jesus, to do? Because I, I want to obey you. Jesus even says, if you hear my words and you don't do them, you're a fool. But if you hear my words and you do them, you're a wise builder. You're building your life upon me, the rock. It's a whole other sermon. The first step of obedience, as I said before, is His command to love Him. So again, when we make disciples, what's the first step of disciple making? It's not to get them to pray this prayer and do this thing or come along on a Sunday or read your Bible. It's fall in love with Jesus. If you're gonna start anywhere on your discipleship journey with Jesus, to fall in love with Him. Because love will keep you, love will cause you to do crazy things. And God calls us to do and He will call you to do crazy things for Him. And it is then disciples who make disciples. This is God's plan to grow His family. It's not converts who are saved from hell, but disciples who embody His nature and express it on the earth. Jesus could have saved everyone in one go. He could have just poured out His Spirit and said, here you are, everyone saved, bang, done, let's go, let's get out of here. But He didn't. He took a handful of people, He put His Spirit into them, and he said, now go and do what I did with you. And that's how it multiplies across the earth. And God still has the same plan A that he had back then, 2,000 years ago. Still the same plan. He hasn't changed the plan. He's not looking for a new plan. He's actually just looking up for us to fulfill the old plan that's always been in place that maybe we've kind of missed and made it about some other things. Again, there's lots of sermons in this, so I'm just gonna keep going. And finally, is bringing the kingdom of God. And this is what we find in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter six, verse nine and 10 says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's the corporate part of the Lord's Prayer. It goes on to some personal things, but that is this bringing the reality of the kingdom of God. When Jesus proclaimed the gospel, he also demonstrated the gospel. He didn't just say, hey, good news, you know, kingdoms here, all that sort of stuff. Then what did He do? He went and He actually demonstrated to people healing, deliverance, transformation, salvation, restoration, all of those amazing realities of this kingdom. He's like, I'm gonna tell you what it's like. I'm gonna show you what it's like. So if our experience of Christianity isn't experiential, 
it isn't tangible in some way, then we're not actually living in the fullness of the kingdom that Jesus brought. It's an experiential reality that we're called to live in. The gospel that Jesus proclaimed and therefore the gospel or good news that we are here to tell the world is that God's kingdom, which means His rule and reign, is here on earth. Jesus is King and that is a good thing for humanity. The kingdom coming is a here and now reality for people to experience today. As I said, Jesus proved that while he's on earth. Signs, wonders, miracles, it's real and it's here. It is a salvation of people entering his kingdom family, but it's also the transformation of society through the governance of God's people to make the culture of earth look more like heaven. This is the mission of God that each and every one of us has been invited into. And as I said, it's simply our everyday obedience to God that will radically transform our lives, our families, our city, and the world. It's God's party and everyone's invited. It's good news. I think to the world, if they looked at the gospel, they'd say that doesn't seem like good news. And I think maybe then there's something in what we're actually proclaiming that isn't good news for people. It's lots of bad news. It needs to be good news. Next week, we're gonna talk about currently the things that God has, you know, kind of strategies, really just to fulfill this basic, simple, biblical mission that He has that is for every church. Every church is called to love God, to love others, to make disciples, to bring the kingdom. So again, I'm not saying like, oh, well, woo, you know, that's a new idea. This is really old stuff, okay? Um, but it's the same thing that He's called us to do. But then as well acknowledging, and for us as a particular church family, He's given us some strategies for this time, and we're gonna share some of those things next week. Amen? Amen. So we have our home fund giving. We're gonna have opportunity over the next few weeks to um, be filling these out, pledging, giving, all of that sort of stuff. So you can just put a pledge down, and uh, we're asking that within the next month, um, just so we're not waiting like, you know, four and a half years uh, for the money to actually come through. If you make a pledge that it could be within a month, or you might say, hey, I, w- I just want to give kind of regularly for ongoing this much money, whatever. Please um, d- don't, don't be doing anything silly financially. Don't get yourself into crazy debt or anything like that. Um, but ask Jesus, what do you want me to give? And just be obedient to that. And that's all that we ask. Okay? and to do that. But we're, we're believing that God is going to provide through our family. So all the info is on there, on your little card inside. It says, I or we would like to contribute over the next either week, fortnight or month using the following kind of options there. So uh, you can give even my FPOS at the info desk, I assume afterwards if you want to. Um, if people who are watching the video, we have international friends and uh, or people watching, you can give uh, by PayPal. So there is a website and it is paradox.church forward slash home fund. Easy, it's not on there. So that is not the, de- that's not the details. Yep. Is there, a, is there a screen with the actual? Those? Hey, they're on here. There we go. Old school. Um, but if you go to paradox.church forward slash home fund, you can find all of the information there as well for our digital friends. Um, 
So yeah, so we're just wanting you to, if you haven't prayed about it, spend some time praying, but we're just going to give a moment for you to fill out uh, your pledge forms. We're going to uh, pass around the little buckety things. You can chuck it in your envelope, put it in there so you can tear off the bit that you need to tear off at the bottom. It's perforated. Ooh, everyone loves a good perforation. Um, and, uh, and you can keep that so you've got the details and, uh, and sort that out. But uh, you might just feel like, hey, I actually want to, I, I, I totally missed it. And uh, even though you've been telling me for several weeks now that this is coming up, um, uh, you, you're welcome to take it home and bring it along next week, uh, whatever you want to do. And uh, for those, obviously, we've got family not here today. And uh, so we're, I'm going to pray and you can be filling out those. And, uh, but why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are on the move, Jesus, and you are everywhere that we go. We thank you that we are filled with your Spirit, Jesus, and you have mighty things in store for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray just for a reinvigoration, Lord, in our hearts and in our minds of who you have called us to be and what you have called us to do, Lord. And even maybe where we have uh, lost track of our priorities, God. Where loving you hasn't been our highest priority, God. Where loving others hasn't been second to that, God. Father, we're making disciples. Maybe it seemed like too big of a task. Or how am I going to fit that into my life, Lord? Bringing about your kingdom. It's just too much, Lord. And maybe we've made it too much when you've made it so simple, Lord. Where we've made it hard, God, you say it's so simple. Just listen to my voice and obey what I'm telling you to do. So we thank you, Jesus, that you speak to us. You speak to us every single day, Lord. But sometimes we need to position ourselves to hear. So I pray even this week, Lord, a fresh grace upon your people to set apart time to listen, to be with you, God, to hear what you have to say and then the courage to say yes to what you have for us to do, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray over this giving time, this home fundraiser. Lord, we thank you for the provision, the miraculous provision of everything in this land and what you have already in store for us, Lord. But Father, we also thank, thank you, God, for the provision that you've put in each and every one of us, Lord that you've made a way that we can live generously, God, that we can go above and beyond and pour into making this place a home, not just for us, Lord. Lord, let this not be a selfish motivation, God, but even as we would look around the room and see the empty seats and say, they are, there are souls, Lord, that you desire to be in your kingdom and filling these seats that aren't doing so today because we haven't been walking in obedience, Jesus. And so we say, we are sorry, Lord, and we repent, God, for our disobedience to the call upon our lives to love you, to love others, to make disciples and to bring the kingdom, Lord. And Father, we desire that these seats would be filled, Lord, not so that we can have a big church with lots of people, Lord, but so that more people can come and fall in love with You, Jesus. Because You deserve every nation filled with people who are in love with You, Jesus. But would You encourage us, inspire us, give us that vision as we are loving on You, Lord, would You open our eyes to all of the opportunities, God, as we're living our everyday ordinary lives, would You give us that higher perspective to see what You have for us to do, Jesus? Because You love us, but You also love those today 
who might even be your enemy, Lord. He might even say today, I don't believe in God or I hate God. But as Romans 5.8 says, that you show your love for us and for people, for while we were still sinners, you died for us, Jesus. And for those people who are still living in sin, living in brokenness and bondage, you, you shed your blood for them, Lord. In the same way that you shed your blood for us, you shed your blood for them. And it's good news that your kingdom is here. It's good news that you've invited people into your family. And Lord, let that good news be in our hearts, on our minds and on our lips, Lord. So Father, we just pray miraculous increase and provision and abundance, Lord, that You would even take the loaves and the fishes of this community as we give today, Lord, and You would multiply it, Father. We thank You for the miraculous provision of all that You have in store for us, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. We love You, God. We give You all the glory and all the honour in Jesus' Name. Amen. 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 Bless you, family, as you give. We're going to pass the buckets around. You can chuck them in. And we are going to have family time. It's a barbecue tonight, $2 donation out by the fire pit. It's gonna be glorious and wonderful. And uh, if you would like some prayer, we would love to pray for you, uh, minister to you. Uh, and if that is you, why don't you come to the front here and our ministry team would love to bless you in that way. Love you, bless you, you're amazing. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.